Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by the crew because it, this is, I guess we classify as an emergency podcast. It's a big deal podcast. Carolina officially to the Orange Bowl against Texas A&M. Before we get started, let's sponsor, shout out to our sponsors, Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. Support them, and if you're a premium subscriber, you know you get that 10% off their order. It's worth it, and they're great friends of us. I have Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, and the Greg Barnes with me. Gentlemen, uh, thanks for joining us on short order. Buck, I'll start with you, man. I believe the Sugar Bowl in the 40s is the last comparable bowl bid that North Carolina's ever received. What's it mean to a, a guy that's followed the program for a long time? Well, I appreciate you deferring to me because I am the senior statesman here. And it, it may not mean as much to some people uh, as it does to people of my generation and older. Because believe it or not, there is, you know, people older than I that are uh, UNC football followers. But I've been well aware of uh, the drought the 70 year drought, I, I'm going to call 1950 as the last time North Carolina went to a major bowl. And I, I get it that, uh, for some people, um, they may not see a huge difference between, uh, North Carolina going to it an orange bowl or going to, you know, a Gator bowl or cheese bowl or whatever. But for folks of my generation, it's a huge deal. Uh, going back to 1996, we thought that there was an extremely good chance that North Carolina would make a major bowl then. And that was, what, 26 years ago now or 24 years ago? And we, we thought there was an excellent chance that North Carolina would make a major bowl back then. And then we played a Commonwealth state in a game whose uh, name will never be mentioned again, uh, beat us, beat North Carolina, and it was not to be. And I think Mac Brown got very frustrated in his first tenure at North Carolina by his inability to uh, overcome what was, you know, Florida State under Bobby Bowden, um, who was just uh, – curb stomping everybody in the ACC and he had an opportunity in 96 to make it happen and it didn't happen. But for folks of my generation, um, even though kids today may not see it that way, making the orange bowl is a huge deal. And 
uh, and Mac Brown is going to be able to use that huge deal to his credit when he goes on the recruiting trail in the you know next two three years. So, um, just speaking for North Carolina fans that have uh, been long suffering and wanting to see something like this happen, it, it's a huge deal and. Uh, so I'll defer to my younger colleagues at this point and let them uh, articulate their feelings about it. But uh, for guys my age and older, it's a huge deal. Absolutely. 100% agree with you there. Uh, Greg, I'll come to you next. Uh, I mean, you've covered this team over the last decade plus. Uh, you've seen the ups and downs. Um, this for the program for Mac Brown, you know, we talked about the South Carolina win being a stamp. He's here. We talked about Miami win last week uh, that made a statement. Well, this is the ultimate statement so far for Mac Brown in his Carolina tenure period. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, I want to echo what, what Buck said there because I really think more than anything, North Carolina getting to the Orange Bowl is a, a tip of the cap to the, the fan base and, and to the boosters and to the people who have been around for decades and decades supporting this program. Um, I made the point after the Miami game that, that what North Carolina did against Miami, likely securing a Orange Bowl bid, uh, that checked the box for what Mac Brown needed to accomplish this year. I don't think what happens in the Orange Bowl is really going to matter. I think what matters is that North Carolina – was able to get to a major bowl, uh, something they haven't done since, I mean, really the Cotton Bowl, I guess, in 1950, if you want to go, go to that one instead of 49 and the Sugar. But either or, we're talking 70 years. Um, just being able to say that, hey, we got to the Orange Bowl. We got to a major bowl where all the top teams in the country are playing. We're playing number five Texas A&M. Regardless of what happens in the game, that achievement is what matters. And I really think the Orange Bowl itself is, is this an opportunity for the fan base to just kind of, Enjoy it for a moment. I mean, this is big-time football. This is, this is why you pull for North Carolina. This is why you, you watch the games. This is why you follow recruiting. This is why you donate uh, to the program is to have these moments and to enjoy this. And I think the only sad thing about it is that typically you'd have like four weeks to really soak this in, right? Now you only have two weeks, but that's 2020 for you. Um, but I really think that's what's most important here. And, yes, I mean, absolutely – for this program, it's a stepping stone. Um, no doubt North Carolina will be the favorite for the Coastal next year. Uh, I mean, some people may go as far as saying they're the ACC favorite with Trevor Lawrence moving on. That'll be a debate that we can have a lot in the offseason. The trajectory is, is I mean, is not vertical, but it's pretty close. And this was a, a key part of that. Next is a division championship. And then after that, you're talking about ACC championships and contending for a spot in the playoff. But but for Mac to do this in two years after North Carolina was really at the bottom of the barrel in 17 and 18, um, it's really a testament to what he's done. But again, that this is a moment for, for the fan base and the boosters and everybody around the program to really soak in and enjoy. Indeed. Jason, uh, I mean, you've been around big time football. Carolina is getting there under Mac Brown. No doubt. And I mean, here's the thing, the next step beyond a big time bowl. First of all, the next step beyond making a big time bowl is winning a big time bowl. So we'll it remains to be seen whether that step can be taken this year. 
But the next step after winning a major bowl like the Orange Bowl is the college football playoff. I mean, that's the, that's the next thing on the horizon. I mean, that's <laughs> – and here's the thing. This Orange Bowl matchup is against the team that had an argument that they should be in the college football playoff over, say, Ohio State, who played half a schedule. And this Texas A&M team would have gone unbeaten against that, that, that Ohio State schedule. Uh, actually, I'm not sure North Carolina wouldn't have gone unbeaten against Ohio State's schedule, but, that, but I digress. Um, you're looking at essentially this matchup between North Carolina and Texas A&M is the closest thing to a, you know, to what would be a play-in game for the, for the playoff in terms of the quality of the, of the matchup and the quality of, of the, of the competition that short of being in the playoff, this is the closest that you get to getting to see how, how you measure up in that kind of context. So that's a big deal. Yeah. You can't, uh, measure up without actually being in the arena. Carolina's definitely in the arena. It was interesting listening to the guys on ESPN and they weren't really saying anything that we don't already know or talk about here, but, but they were saying, you know, Texas A&M is going to be angry. They're playing, you know, they should have been in the playoff. And then you add in the fact that uh, Texas A&M is probably not in the playoff because Carolina's loss to Notre Dame probably propelled Notre Dame over Texas A&M, even though I tend to think Notre Dame was getting in no matter what. Um, and we basically saw no matter what in the ACC championship game. But, but to that end, let's talk about, We'll break the game down in the next couple of weeks, but let's talk about uh, what it means, win or loss, um, moving forward, and, and sort of expound on Jason's point there uh, and and Greg's point. I don't necessarily think it matters if North Carolina wins to accomplish what Mac wanted to accomplish, but from your standpoint, how important would be winning this one? Let Let's start out by saying that. Um, in terms of the matchup and, you know, Greg and, and his uh, cadre of supporters, Gregory Hall and uh, different ones will chime in, Jason Staples, myself. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the matchup with Texas A&M. And actually, you know, in this game – I feel much better about this game, North Carolina versus Texas A&M, than I did, for example, the matchup with Baylor in 2015. I, I thought that was a horrible matchup for North Carolina in 2015. But I, I think this game, uh, and there's so much to unpack from what you were talking about, Tommy, and – I'm going to give a tip of my hat to Jason here for a second and say, you know, if Texas A&M has an issue about not getting in the playoffs, their issue isn't with Notre Dame, it's with Ohio State. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, the, their complaint, if they have one, is not with Notre Dame. Um, so it's uh the matchup as we move forward is going to be very important to watch um you know i just off you know a thumbnail sketch i'm going to say that texas a&m's defense is better than north carolina's defense 
but their offense is not nearly as good as North Carolina's offense. So we'll see how that uh, turns out. But go back to um, when Dabo Swinney was building the program at Clemson, and he faced West Virginia in a matchup. Um, Greg will probably recall the date of that better than I will. 2012. Yeah. They beat them, what, 70 to 14 or something like that? 70 I mean, to 33, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got blown out, uh, you know, in that Orange Bowl. And a lot of writers and a lot of observers say that that blow-off, blow-out loss in the Orange Bowl is what helped propel uh, Clemson to the where it is today. So I don't think it's a – regardless to Greg's point of how the orange bowl turns out, it's not a negative for North Carolina in any shape, form or fashion. You know, I, I think the game could be 30, 14, either direction. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think that the important, the first step is getting there playing in that kind of stage and, um, just noticing, you know, on this uh, Zoom call, Jace's reaction, I think he's letting his love for Jimbo Fisher take him down a, a very dark path. Um, it's more my it's more my looking at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I, th- I think this Texas A&M team is the closest thing to Notre Dame out there. And that that's what concerns me about this game. Now, that said, I mean, North Carolina competed with Notre Dame, so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion in either direction. So, I agree with uh, that. Um, but getting to this point, I think, is uh, is a major takeaway. And we'll see how it goes from here. Regardless of the outcome, uh, it could be as bad as uh, the outcome between Clemson and West Virginia and 23. 23- 12, I guess, Greg. I would be shocked at that. Yes, but it may be more like a um, North Carolina Notre Dame outcome this year. So, but either direction or a North Carolina victory. Um, it and to Greg's point, which I spoke to earlier, I, I really don't think it matters. Yeah, and Tommy, to to kind of build on what Buck said there. Clemson played in the Orange Bowl in 1981. Uh, and their next major bowl appearance was that game, January 2012, after the 2011 season against West Virginia. Uh, they've played in the Monarchy Car Care Bowl the year before and were six and seven. But they get to the Orange Bowl, uh, get embarrassed, and then what happens? Uh, they go on a run where they win 11, 11, 10, 14, 14, 12, 15, 14 with two national championships. Um, so it took a long while for them to get to where they are now, but they had to take that next step to get to a major bowl, and they got embarrassed. And I agree with Jason. I don't think that's going to happen in this game for North Carolina. But Clemson had to experience that. They had to experience that big stage, and that's part of the process. And so they used that say, okay, look, we got there. Now we have to play better once we get there. In each step, you build upon that. Uh, and that's why I say – you. Getting there is the, is the accomplishment of this year. In year two, 
year three, you worry about the other things. And as we've talked about before, even last year, Mac Brown was saying, we think 2021 can be special, especially with Sam Howell coming back and the defense finally being mature and having enough talent there. Uh, so, I mean, 2020, we didn't know if this season was going to take place eight months ago. And so yeah, for us, I think we all here, ought to, yeah, I think we all ought to stop and appreciate the fact that North we're Carolina even got in a, yeah, we're even having this discussion and yep. North Carolina played 11 games this year. Um, uh, and got through it all, hat tip, you know, to the staff and, and administration for getting us to this point. Um, so back to you, Greg. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you. No, but this is just kind of – we kind of – North Carolina stole one this year, if you will. Uh, they made something out of nothing because this was always going to be a, a year where games are going to be canceled and bowl games are going to be canceled, and we're seeing them fall left and right. Uh, so to be able to, to carve something out of this season – uh, is, is um, I mean, again, tip of the cap, I don't want to say miraculous, but it, I mean, it's very impressive. And uh, to use this as a building block year in, in 2020 is, is impressive. I agree. One thing I want to jump in, though, real quick and, and, and problematize this a little bit is while Clemson getting to the Orange Bowl in 2012 was a big step in, in building that program, them getting blown out the way that they did – it would be a very different situation for North Carolina to get blown out like that. Now, again, we, I think we all agree that that's not very unlikely to happen in this one, partly because Texas A&M just doesn't score 70 points <laughs> against teams. Uh, with, at the pace that Jimbo Fisher is going to play, as a, as a rule, you're not going to see 70 points from them anyway. But uh, the, 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 thing, the other thing that really marked a turning point there is that they changed defensive coordinators. That, it was that game that, that led them to fire – uh, Steele, who may actually be the next Auburn head coach, we don't know, uh, and hire Brent Venables. So, and that that obviously uh, was a hire that has worked out really well for Clemson. And so, making it to that level was a big factor in turning the turning the corner as a program. Getting blown out forced them to reevaluate some things in terms of staff, and they made some staff changes and took that next step partly as a result of that. North Carolina doesn't need to make those staff changes. So moving into this game, it's that step forward, but I, you know, they, they don't, I don't see this, this staff as needing a, an Armageddon to make the staff change necessary to move to the next level. I do want to clarify that. I agree. I agree there. Greg, let me come to you since you'll be the one reporting on it. People are already, um, I don't want to say freaking out, but worried about opt-outs. I think we'll see plenty of them across the country. Florida's best wide receiver slash tight end has already opted out of their bowl game. I mean, how how do you think that process will go for North Carolina? Yeah, I think it's, it's a possibility for sure. Uh, we do know there has been some discussions about guys that potentially may opt out. We don't have any firm confirmation at this point in time. So I'm not going to speculate on who that may be. But, I mean, if you think about guys that are potentially going to uh, be able to play in the NFL and get drafted, I mean, you can, you can make some educated guesses there. Um, how much does playing in the Orange Bowl factor in as opposed to maybe the Cheez-It Bowl or the Gator Bowl? I mean, maybe that's part of the discussion. Um, but the team took last week off. They uh, were returning Sunday, today. Uh, to, to review Miami film, to have their sports banquet Sunday night, to have a walkthrough, and first bowl practice is on Monday. Uh, and so we will talk with the coaching staff 
uh, and, and players early in the week. And hopefully by then we'll have some, some clarification on, on who's not participating and who's still up in the air. You know, uh, I would say one really good sign for North Carolina is that Michael Carter has already said he's playing in the senior bowl. So he, he doesn't appear to be tremendously worried about getting hurt or, you know, uh, I don't want to play an extra game because I want to get my NFL combine uh, freak on or whatever. So, and keep in mind, Michael Carter is a leader of this team. Um, you know, he is uh, someone that everybody looks up to on the uh, UNC team. And so he, he's saying he's playing in the senior bowl. So I got my real doubts about Michael Carter deciding, oh, now I'm going to opt out of the orange bowl. Um, so I actually am not nearly as worried about opt outs on the UNC side as Texas A&M ought to be worried about opt outs on their side. And it's a, you know, a two headed question, right? You know, who opts out on either side of the, of the ball, but, you know, I think it's a very positive, uh, marker for North Carolina that Michael Carter's already, you know, he's committed to the senior bowl. So I'm not guessing he's going to miss out on the orange bowl. And, and I think you said, I think you said it right, Buck, that, that, um, Texas A&M has more has has a lot more to be concerned about there, partly because they were a team that was kind of playoff. This was a, a, a they were shooting for playoff this year, and finishing fifth, being the being the one the the first team left out. They're in a position where some of their guys are probably looking at this as, you know, we we just didn't quite get what 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 we wanted, whereas North Carolina right now is just in a different, different stage as a program in terms of the build. This is year two and they're a year ahead of, uh, ahead of schedule, even being in the orange bowl. And so you say, you know, those guys are probably, are probably more inclined to feel like this is a, a game where they can go out and prove themselves one more time in a North Carolina uniform and continue to build the program. And that does matter for some of these guys. And I think Michael Carter is definitely one of those. He wants to leave his mark and his legacy at North Carolina. Yeah. I'm already figuring that if North Carolina beats Texas A&M, it's because Texas A&M didn't want to be there. You know, that will be the, no doubt. That will be the, that that will be the, you know, the, the headline there is because, Texas A&M was just so disappointed about not making the playoff that they didn't really give a damn. I have a very strong opinion on this, but I want to ask you guys first. If players elect not to play in the Orange Bowl, does that tarnish their legacy? I'm going to step up and say no. You know, if uh, I, I'm not going to have any argument with any of them if uh, – I mean, even, and this is a strong statement that say Javante Williams decides, you know, I, I want to get prepared for the NFL combine, so I'm not going to play. I'm guessing the chances of that are like 95% against, but if he did, I'm going to say, you know, do what you need to do. And we have this discussion all the time in terms of players that decide to 
leave for the NFL draft early. Um, Gio Bernard and, and other guys that have left early, you know, well, you know, we really wanted you to come back. You know, um, when you're a part of a team and you're on that team and you're doing everything in the world for that team and you've given up what you've given up to be a part of that team, um, if you're going to be on that team, we expect your a hundred percent effort. But at some point, there are individual decisions to be made. Um, family, um, you know, finances, you know, considerations like that. So, you know, anybody that gives any UNC player a difficult time for deciding to opt out, um, you know, one, one player I'm thinking about uh, is Daz Newsom. I already know he has a young family to think about. And, you know, he's going to have to really work hard, you know, to be a part of the NFL draft and get drafted by somebody. And he may feel like he needs to concentrate on those factors that he needs to get ready. And, and if he does, I'm, I'm, my hat's off to him. He's given me a lot of hours of viewing pleasure uh, through his career at UNC. And if he decides to opt out, that, that's, you know, more power to him. I, you know, I think we should just, in general, you know, as being uh, sort of the de facto leader of the Tar Pit Premium Message Board, just lay off of those guys if they make that call. You know, it's an individual call. They're, they're not making it on a whim. They just didn't, the, the thought is just didn't pop in their head one day, we need to opt out they're balancing all of the pros and cons of it and making the best decision that they can make when they need to make it. So, uh, that's where I'm at with that, Tommy. And uh, I have very strong feelings on this <laughs> in that stronger well, than mine. Uh, oh, Jason, I, I would, I would, I don't know if they're stronger comparative is hard, but it would be very hard for someone to have stronger feelings on this one than I do. Because uh, I mean, Cheryl. These are human decisions, mm -hmm. right? We're talking, and for some of these guys, we're talking about generational wealth. You're talking about an opportunity to make sure that your children, should you have them, are able to inherit enough wealth and potential education and other advantages that generationally your family is in a different place forever. As, as well as take care of mom and dad that have been there for you, you know, through the whole process. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's just so many levels of this. And the other thing is, it's one thing, now if this were a college football playoff game and then you had guys that decided to opt out, that's a little different story, right? At that point, you're still competing for the goals that your team had for the season. But bowl games are a reward. They're an exhibition, ultimately. And it's a, it's a fun exp exhibition. It's a cool exhibition. You get, you know, bowl game swag and all sorts of stuff that, you know, there's no other avenue in, in college sports where all of a sudden, you know, you play in this game and all of a sudden you're given all this stuff. Bowl games are, are, are their own thing. But North Carolina – when they started this season, obviously, the, you know, every team starts out, and if you ask them what their goal is, well, we want to win a national championship. All right, well, if you don't win a national championship, well, then we want to win a conference. All right, well, if you're not going to win the conference, 
then we want to beat all our rivals and we want to make a major bowl. Well, mission accomplished. And now for the guys that, that are moving on, that, that this is going to be their, this, this would be their last game at the team. They've already accomplished everything that you would really want to accomplish as a team in the season. Now we're in the postseason. This is after the season. And actually in some ways, so again, North Carolina losing this game is not program changing, right? It's not, it's not the same as if you lose to NC state or if you lose to, you know, lose a conference game or lose a regular season game because you made the orange bowl. And ultimately if you're one of those, one of those guys who's on the margin and really just needs to, to opt out, this also gives the young guys an opportunity to play. It gives them one, one, one extra game against a quality opponent to, to prepare them for next year as well. So that actually can benefit. But I can promise you that, it, that if anybody opts out, there is not one guy, not one in the locker room, not one teammate, not one coach who's going to sit there and be like, man, come on, you, you quit on us. Not one guy. All of them yeah, are going to be like, you go get actually, yours, man. Actually, I think it's going to affect Texas A&M more than it is North Carolina anyway. So, you know, it's, it's a wash either way, I think. But nobody in either locker room is going to be going, man, those, that, that guy quit on us. Nobody. Yeah. No, the only people that would be saying that is perhaps, but hopefully not some of the fans. Uh, I Look, I agree with what you said, but. I mean, those guys have earned the right. I know one thing. If you gave me a lottery ticket and told me I had to sit over there in that chair for a week before I could go cash it and not do anything else, I'd sit in that chair for a week and not go out and cash it. So interesting stuff. Great discussion. Greg, you said it. Remind us all availability this week, this coming week, uh, pre-Christmas for Mac and players. Yeah, we will get Mac and players on Monday. Um, that's the first bowl practice in the morning and we're gonna have to exactly see how things are going to play out because with it being uh you know the COVID situation bowls are not doing all the big events they typically do and so uh the orange bowl actually has arrival dates for the teams set up for december 31st so i guess they'll do a little bit of media on new year's day uh and then you play the game on the second so north carolina will, will be around Chapel Hill for the majority of the time and they went home last week so we haven't heard anything yet they all came in Saturday night and were tested and that was going to be a kind of a big hurdle to try to get through make sure nobody when they went home uh, picked up the virus which obviously would not be a good thing but we start on Monday and then we'll have to see exactly how the bowl schedule shapes out and that will determine availability. Interesting stuff. We'll certainly look forward to look forward to seeing it, seeing all your work at Inside Carolina Buck. Look forward to your columns uh, in the coming week, couple of weeks leading up to the Orange Bowl. And Jason, uh, look forward to some tape breakdown. Uh, one thing Texas A&M has is a familiar coach for North Carolina at uh, background. So it should be Tommy, fun. are you getting ready to end this call? What do we need to talk about? Yeah, I, by the way, have a, a good bit of coach's tape from, and, and Jimbo Fisher's playbook when it comes to all this stuff. So yeah. and, I know and, that you know, I've got stuff to say, too, so yeah. Tommy, you know. I mean, <laughs> okay. The staff has integrity. They wouldn't take it anyway. So, um, All right. But I, 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 I can break, break some of Fisher's stuff down, so I probably will do some, some additional ones on that leading up to the bowl. Uh, by the way, I will make an ask for those who are listening still this, this late. 
my book is my first book is coming out in uh, in March, uh, March, April, April in the United States. If those of you who are out there are interested in anything on the on the you know Judaism Christianity side. Buy one for yourself, for your pastor, your rabbi, maybe your crazy conspiracy theory uncle. It doesn't, you know, just, just grab, grab some extra copies if you would. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch this book a few more times, but thanks, thanks everybody. But yes. can, can they run a seven yard out? Greg, uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you want to, I'm going to let Buck end the show any okay. way he wants to, but Greg, you're up. I, we had some questions about how the ACC getting three teams into the, the New Year's Six Bowls and the playoff factors into things. Um, and so I kind of wanted to break that down. When the ACC signed this agreement with the Orange Bowl, I think they're, they're currently in a 12-year deal that runs through the 2025 season, so the 2025-26 academic year. Um, but basically what's, what's happened is, is that when an ACC team plays in the Orange Bowl in a non-playoff year, uh, the ACC, the last two times, which was 15 and 18, uh, got $27.5 million, which is a nice check. The issue is, is that when the Orange Bowl was actually in the playoff, uh, the ACC team plays neither the Peach or the Fiesta. I believe I've got that right. And therefore, not playing in the Orange Bowl, you don't get that cut. So two years ago, for example, Clemson wins the national championship in football. Virginia wins the national championship in basketball. And the ACC uh, actually lost money revenue-wise. They were down $9 million from the year before, even though they had two national championships, and that was solely based on this relationship with the Orange Bowl. Uh, bowl revenue that year was down $26.5 million, even though Clemson won the thing. And they still had another team in the, uh, in the Orange Bowl. And in 2020, with how COVID-19 has affected everything, uh, revenue streams is, is critically important. And so if you're looking for a silver lining, it's this. The Orange Bowl was not a playoff uh, holder this year. So the ACC will get $27.5 million as contracted for that bowl. But because the ACC has two teams, now that Notre Dame is a full member, because the ACC has, has two teams in the playoff, you get $6 million each on top of that. Okay, so you have $27.5, you have 12 for Clemson and Notre Dame, and then the, the standard base payout is $66 million. So just for the bowl situation, it looks like the ACC is going to have roughly $106 million coming in revenue-wise. In 2020, with how uh, all of these athletic departments have struggled so much, that is really a boon. And, and the fact that uh, you know, I've complained about Notre Dame being allowed to play as a full member this year, but by them getting in, that's an extra $6 million that can be distributed across the conference. And that's a, that's a really important thing this year. Absolutely. I mean, money might makes save the world go sports. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That that is even through it all. That that's a that, that is huge for the ACC. Buck, um, I tried to shut it down a little bit early, but evidently I was premature, premature ejection on the the off button. Shut it I'm down. I'm glad you us. said ejection. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's going sideways, man. It's Sunday yeah. afternoon. This emergency. You might want to pull the plug now, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I'm glad Greg has seen the errors as his ways as far as uh, letting uh, Notre Dame in for the a, mighty dollar, the mighty dollar. Uh, yeah, I and mean, did you see the concerned observers uh, tweet yesterday during that Notre Dame Clemson game that uh, dear Clemson, the ACC needs two teams in the playoff and a team in the Orange Bowl. Please remove your dogs from the Irish <laughs> rear ends. <laughs> 
Go ahead. You know, I, I thought you were going to let me have the last word, Tommy, but I'm having a difficult time, uh, wiggling <laughs> it in. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, you know, money is good, uh, as having to run a business, which is inside Carolina. I understand that, uh, better than most people. Uh, but where I was going to go is on more of a personal note. Uh, you were talking about looking forward to my column next week. I'm taking next week off, uh, just a heads up for everybody. Um, I yeah. run a column on uh, January 1st, which is, uh, sort of a, uh, inside Carolina staple. Um, and I'm going to be taking off the next week, uh, to spend with family during Christmas and, uh, to work on that column. So, uh, you won't see me, uh, back until, um, a week ahead of the orange bowl, but I'll be back in full force, uh, giving Greg a lot of trouble, uh, talking junk about Jason and Tommy. Uh, so I uh, just want to give everybody a heads up that, uh, this coming week, the buck stops here is going to stop today, uh, until the new year. Good deal. Uh, well-deserved, my friend. You have uh, To write a column like that nearly every day, every Monday through Friday of the of the years, is pretty impressive. And so, sometimes Sunday. And so, Absolutely. And the, the morning after stuff, too. It's always a pleasure to read. I'd be interested to look at last January's to see where you had Carolina football. Need to revisit that. Well, uh, mostly those columns were tongue-in-cheek and, uh, you know, <laughs> meant to be comical. So there's no predictions involved there, but let me say for the record that in our preseason predictions, I predicted a loss to Florida state, Notre Dame. And that was it. I was off by one to Virginia. I don't think you gentlemen can, uh, match that. Uh, we can, oh, but we can. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I don't know. So <laughs> I missed one. That was the Florida state game. I had, I had North Carolina winning that game, if you recall. And then I had, uh, I had actually, I missed two. I, I swapped them. So I had, okay. Them, so uh, I had, I had yeah, swapped, right. but I had the right now, record. Now Greg could make his, uh, Greg could make his case now cause you've yeah. already said yeah. you, you <laughs> failed. So because I, I had I had him beating Florida State and losing to Miami, mm. and then mm. losing and then losing to Virginia. Uh, mm. All right, Greg, make your case. Me and Jason Staples had Carolina at eight and three. That's what matters, yep. right? No, no. What? I, yep, no. We had him at eight and three. No, man. no, no, no. I was off by one game. And we nailed it, eight and three. I, no, I, I, I was off by one game. I had him losing to. Uh, Notre Dame and Florida State. But you had him at Virginia nine and is two. The only one. Virginia is the only one I'm off. But you had him at nine and two. See, yeah, he that's, had it at eight that, and three. That's still not, so I, that's I still that, not I accurate. That, that mitigates any. I had Carolina losing. Y'all are doing a Notre Dame lot of explaining Florida State. Here. And who was the other one? BC. And you got BC, called baby. out for it. <laughs> yeah. Greg, See, I had Greg Notre is Dame, the only Miami, one on the show to get Virginia. called out. I feel like that was, a, that was a solid bit. Just swap out the two Florida teams, and there you go. You know, since I signed both of your paychecks, y'all might <laughs> want to admit you that win, I'm Buck. right here. <clears throat> Buck's right. You had them at eight and three with uh, Florida State, Virginia, and Notre Dame. And in the Orange Bowl. I certainly did not have them in the Orange Bowl. I can say that. 
you don't you don't you don't sign our paychecks for us to be uh, worse at the prediction game though i'll say that i defer i'm terrible at it but you're the best there you go tommy <laughs> you get a raise yeah, tommy right. knows how this game is played he knows yeah, he he does. just me there's a I'm reason just, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry that the p- pandemic is going to require me to reduce uh jason and greg's salaries <laughs> but tommy is just trying to get that in south carolina live live at hard rock stadium on january 2nd yes yeah. sir we'll we'll try to make that happen let's do it let's do it folks it's been fun it's always been fun you guys have a good holiday um i'm not sure i don't guess we'll talk as a group before christmas so you guys be safe and healthy and you know and happy holidays to everybody uh on this zoom call and on inside carolina subscribers and everybody in general Uh, indeed yep no we we deserve a uh happy holidays in 2020 and less for goodness sake hope for a better 2021 absolutely Everybody, you've been listening to the Inside Carolina Emergency Orange Bowl Edition podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, and the best boss in the world, Buck Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> you also need to support Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, especially during these Woo! times. Go see them before Christmas. Get some swag, probably some Orange Bowl swag. Guys, it's been fun. Pre-order my book. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.